glory to God. Now let's uh, prepare our hearts now to hear the reading of God's Word. Our scripture is found uh, in the lectionary for this Sunday. Not only the Gospel of John, which uh, Jennifer read for us just a few moments ago so beautifully, but Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Listen now to God's Word. Paul says, So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God indeed. And let me just say also this morning how grateful I am to see all of these people logged on to Facebook. We've, we've had over 200 individual users. I know there are many husbands and wives and family members that are watching. And it just blows me away to see all the comments people are making and the way that they're interacting with each other, praying for each other. Uh, it blesses my heart. This is a new dimension of worship, Christian worship for us as a church. And I'm finding it to be very different, but also very satisfying uh, in, in spite of our circumstances. So let's uh, bow our heads now for a word of prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, come and speak to our hearts. Come and encourage us in this time of national and even world emergency. Uh, we thank you, Jesus, that you are present here with us. Even though our numbers are small in the sanctuary, your church that is scattered throughout Scott County and beyond is, is together again through this online experience. And I bless each per person that's watching, those that will watch the recording. God, you know what they need in their lives. Bless them, I pray. In the strong and mighty name of Jesus, where there's sickness, bring healing. Where there's sorrow and, and uh, sadness, bring comfort. Uh, where there's loneliness, Lord, I pray that there would be a, an awareness that you are a living God and that you are with them and you are for them. Whatever the need today in the lives of those that hear my voice, we pray in the name of the risen Lord that your grace will abound and that in their weakness your power will be released. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've been thinking, as usual, uh, this past week about the events, uh, the final days of Jesus that led up to Good Friday, and what a horrifying experience that must have been for the followers of Jesus as they saw their Lord crucified. Saturday was the Jewish Sabbath, and it was not a day of rest, but one of terror for the disciples as they cowered behind closed doors, waiting, waiting for the Romans to arrest and crucify them as well. Easter Sunday was a doubt, a day of doubt and disbelief, at least in the beginning, uh, that erupted in mystery and amazement and unspeakable joy as the tomb rose over the empty uh, as the sun rose over the empty tomb. And on that day of resurrection, 
As we all know, there were no church services. There were no hymns sung. There were no spring flowers or tulips adorning the sanctuary. But there was this. Angels saying to terrified women at the tomb, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen, as he said. Mary Magdalene breathlessly telling these fear-stricken disciples with delight, I have seen the Lord. Peter running to the tomb, stooping down and, and, and looking in, then returning to his home in utter amazement. And Thomas, doubting Thomas, putting his fingers in the wounds of Jesus' side and hands and proclaiming, My Lord and my God, I believe what God wants from his church today, scattered though we are in, in homes and communities all across Scott County and beyond, and, and even in our world, I believe what God wants from us today is joy, a rediscovery of astonishment in the face of the resurrection, newfound faith, deeper devotion, and, and extravagant worship of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, sure, we are disappointed, are we not? <laughs> I mean, I'm disappointed. Do you think I ever imagined that after 37 years of ministry, only two months from retirement, that I would be preaching to a virtually empty sanctuary on Easter Sunday? I mean, not counting me, there's 11 souls here today. Anglican priest Tish Harrison Warren summed it up well this week in an article that she wrote for Christianity Today. Listen to what she says. She says, at Christmas we lay babies in makeshift mangers and enter into the, the incarnation. During Lent we smear ashes on our foreheads and remember sin and death. All of it builds to the big moment, Easter Sunday. For Christians, this is the World Series, the crescendo of the sympathy, uh, symphony, uh, the climax of the play. This is what we've been sitting on the edge of our seats waiting for all year. But this year, nothing. The game is canceled in the final inning. The horn section left in the middle of the concerto. The theater caught fire in the third act. This feels incredibly unsatisfying. Sure, we're live streaming services. The word will be proclaimed, but it isn't the same. Something is clearly lost. She goes on to say that believers and skeptics alike often think about the great events of Christian faith. Uh, Christmas, the birth of Jesus, Good Friday and Easter. We think of them primarily as sources of comfort to help us cope with our own troubles and trials. Uh, or maybe to, to inspire us personally. Consequently, um, <laughs> there are some righteously indignant pastors out there today. And some churches to go with them. 
that, that are openly defiant of the government's ban on corporate worship Easter Sunday. There are others of us that are willing to do what um, Andy at five tells us to do, right? Uh, whatever the governor says, we're going to honor that. Uh, we are simply disappointed, however, by our empty sanctuaries, perhaps forgetting, forgetting that, that it was an empty tomb that changed everything, both then and now. Traditions are fine, but they're, they're wonderful, and we honor them and look forward to them every year. There are things this church does at Easter that we can't do this year. But traditions are, are good only if they point us to the risen Jesus Christ. God's only Son, the Savior of the world, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We are Christians not because we have answers to all our questions, about why two million people thus far have been infected with the coronavirus. 110,000 have died, 25,000 of them almost are Americans. I'm a Christian not because I have answers to human suffering in pandemics. I am a Christian because I believe the Apostles' Creed. I believe that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. I believe that he suffered under Pontius Pilate. I believe that, that he was crucified, dead and buried, and on the third day he rose from the dead. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, if Jesus was not raised from the dead, we are the most pitiful people in the world. A pretty sorry lot. That's who we'd be. If Jesus didn't die for the sins of the world. If Jesus was not raised from the dead on the third day, then as Flannery O'Connor wrote, to hell with it. We're wasting our time. There's no reason for you to be watching me or for any of us to be here giving our, our hearts and our lives to serving Jesus, worshiping Jesus, and helping you to worship him this Easter. As Jeremy said in our sunrise service this morning, our culture and even the church has sent, sentimentalized Christmas and Easter with, with trees and Santas, with egg hunts and Easter bunnies, forgetting that God became one of us so that he might save all of us. This day is about the pivotal event in the history of humanity in which God bought us back, redeemed us, and gave us life in exchange for death. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, John 1.14 says. Jesus Christ is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only ours, 1 John 2.2 says, but for the sins of the whole world. I'm so grateful that Easter wasn't turned into a national pep rally this year celebrating our victory over virus 
I mean, I understand the aspirations behind wanting Christians to flood the churches on April 12th to be together and declare the coronavirus dead. But, but that was not God's plan. It's still not his plan. God is not finished with our world just yet. God is not finished speaking to us. These are serious, life-altering days in the face of a message of hope that is wrapped up in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. I believe God is once again calling our nation in the middle of our suffering to humble ourselves in his presence to repent of our national and personal sins, and to take up the cross and follow Jesus daily. Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 2 that before God exalted his son in the resurrection, Jesus had to humble himself, empty himself, take on the form of a servant, and become obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so Paul tells us here in Colossians, in no uncertain terms, that the resurrection has consequences for the way we live our lives every single day. It's not one day out of 366 this year. If we have died with Christ to our sin... If we have been raised with Christ to new life, if our life is now hidden with great mystery with Christ in God, if we are in fact Easter people, we need to change our way of thinking. We need to set our minds on things that are above, not on the things of this earth. I mean, there, there are worse things that can happen to us than death from coronavirus. Amen? Far worse things. It's, it's living a life that is earthbound and without hope in Christ. That is what is eternal. That is what is lost forever if we fail to understand that God has called us into this wonderful relationship with himself through the gift of his Son. In light of the resurrection, we must live our lives differently, Paul says here. We must live them for eternity, not for our jobs, uh, not for achievement, not for our friendships or even our family and marriages, but for Christ. And why should we do this? Paul tells us this, these three important things. He says, number one, Christ is raised. He tells us that Jesus rose from the dead. And this is not a metaphor. It is not a symbol. The apostolic preaching of the early church from the book of Acts onward throughout the history of Christianity for 2,000 years is based on this core belief that Jesus was born of a virgin in human flesh. He lived and then he died on a cross, a criminal's cross, at Calvary, at Golgotha, and then on the third day, the tomb was empty. He rose from the dead. Mary, the mother of Jesus, believed this. Mary Magdalene 
and the women believed this. Peter and John believed this. Doubting Thomas came to believe this. And the Apostle Paul believed this. And hundreds of others who, who walked with Jesus, who heard him teach and, and, and followed him and became his disciples, heard this witness and believed it. That Jesus who died rose again. So Christ is raised. The second thing he says is that Christ is seated. He is seated, meaning his great saving work upon the cross is done. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 states that after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majestic on high. When, when Jesus gave up his spirit on the cross on Good Friday, his last words were, it is finished. It is finished. There's nothing we can do to add to it. There's nothing we have to do except believe it and to receive it and to place our, our hope eternally and every single day of our lives here on earth in the person of Jesus. He is seated Christ is at God's right hand is the third thing. And this is an amazing thing. That um, this humble rabbi who walked and lived among us here on earth was exalted to the place of highest honor, power, authority on earth and in heaven. All the powers of the universe are under Christ. He is above all creation. Christ may have looked crippled and pathetic at Calvary as he was dying between those two criminals on the cross. But on the third day when he rose from the dead, life, life again came into his body. His, his message, his ministry, his identity, everything was validated. And he was vindicated. And the victory from sin and death was secured for us all. In fact, the scripture says in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 34, that even as we gather for Easter worship, Christ is at the right hand of God the Father, praying and interceding for us. In these uncertain and vulnerable times in our world, we can be assured that whatever happens in this pandemic, Christ is with us and Christ is for us. If we ever thought Easter was about packed uh, sanctuaries, <laughs> um, beautiful music, spirited preaching, spring flowers, egg hunts, and new clothes, we were seriously misguided. Uh, Easter is not the Super Bowl of Christianity. We serve a risen Savior who's in the world today, pandemic and all. And that is enough. That is enough. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Glory to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said, Amen. Would you pray with me? Glorious, majestic, awesome and beautiful God, 
of power and might. With the rising of the sun on the third day, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you raised Jesus from the dead. Life defeated death. Light overwhelmed the darkness. Justice won out over injustice. Goodness conquered evil. Love triumphed over hate. Lord, you raised Jesus up. And you raise us up. We died to our sin at the cross with Jesus. And today we remember that we are raised to new life with Jesus. Because the tomb was empty. On this resurrection day, we rejoice and are glad. Jesus Christ, the hope of glory is in us. And it's in His name we pray. Amen.